this Wednesday, September the 29th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, America risks sovereign default and Wall Street sinks. First, the world in brief. Janet Yellen, America's Treasury Secretary, told Congress that the federal government will run out of ways to service its debt on October 18th. Lawmakers risk a sovereign default unless they suspend the, quote, debt ceiling, which the Senate failed to do for a second consecutive day on Tuesday. Another deadline to approve government funding and thus avoid a shutdown looms even larger. Senators must approve that on Thursday. Meanwhile, Wall Street tumbled on the prospect of fading monetary support by the Federal Reserve. The S&P 500 fell by 2% and the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite by 2.8%. The catalyst was a jump in the yield on the 10-year Treasury note, a benchmark for borrowing costs, which reached a three-month high. A closely-watched Consumer Confidence Index fell to a level not seen since February. Asia's stock markets followed America's in early trading. North Korea said a weapon fired on Tuesday was the first test flight of a hypersonic missile called Hwasong-8, one of five new military gadgets the country has developed. North Korea's weapons program is advancing despite international sanctions aimed at slowing it down. America, China and Russia are also developing hypersonic missiles, which travel at high speeds and low altitudes. Evergrande, a precariously indebted Chinese property firm, will sell a 9.99 billion yuan, $1.5 billion stake in Shenzhen Bank in order to repay its debts to the same institution. Evergrande's share price rose on the news, but the money from that sale cannot be used to cover other debts, such as an interest payment due to offshore bondholders on Wednesday. A study of China's Belt and Road Initiative found that low- and middle-income countries owe China $385 billion more than they are letting on. Aid Data, a research lab based at the College of William and Mary in Virginia, said that this, quote, hidden debt, borne, for example, by state-owned companies and not shown on countries' balance sheets, is growing. It looked at the funding of $843 billion worth of BRI infrastructure projects across the world. Testifying in the Senate, Mark Milley, America's most senior military officer, defended two phone calls to his Chinese counterpart in which he promised that Donald Trump, then president, would not attack China. The conversations ignited controversy since they were made without Mr Trump's sanction. General Milley said one call was directed by the Defence Secretary and that numerous other people were aware of the second. Russia launched another case against Alexei Navalny, a jailed opposition leader. This time, authorities are investigating him on suspicion of creating a, quote, extremist group with his allies. If convicted, those involved could face up to a decade in prison. On Monday, the European Parliament nominated Mr Navalny for a human rights prize, named after Andrei Sakharov, a Soviet dissident. And fact of the day, 165%, the increase in median home prices in Los Angeles and San Francisco over the past decade.
And now, here's today's agenda. First Europe, then the world. The natural gas shortage. Economists usually worry about the price of oil in the context of rising inflation. Not anymore. Now, the soaring price of natural gas is the bigger problem, particularly in Europe, where it has increased by almost 500% in the past year and by 4.5% in the past week alone. Low reserves, sluggish exports from Norway and Russia and high prices in Asia, which drew away cargoes of liquefied natural gas, are mainly to blame. Gas-guzzling factories, such as fertiliser plants, are being mothballed, triggering shortages of important products such as carbon dioxide, which is used in food production and transportation. If this winter is particularly cold, electricity and gas outages are possible. Gas prices are unlikely to come down anytime soon. Gas is still cheaper in America than Asia and Europe, but it is unable to export much more because of limited port capacity. Even so, prices there have already risen to their highest levels since 2014. Election Day Japan's New Leader Japan's ruling Liberal Democratic Party gathers on Wednesday to choose a new party leader. Given the party's dominance, that person will become the Prime Minister. Kono Taro, a former foreign and defence minister who is currently Japan's vaccine czar, is the public favourite. Unfortunately for Mr Kono, public opinion does not decide the race. In the first round, the LDP's 382 parliamentarians each have one vote, and the choices of the party's rank and file are apportioned across another 382 votes. If no candidate wins a majority, the top two enter a runoff, where MPs and the 47 heads of the party's prefectural chapters vote. There, the old guard, which is wary of Mr Kono, may swing the outcome. Kishida Fumio, a former foreign minister, has plenty of internal support and a good shot of making the runoff. Takaichi Sanai, a nationalist firebrand, is the dark horse. The new leader will have little time to bask. Elections for the Diet's lower house loom in November. When it rains, it pours. Haiti in turmoil. Ariel Henry, the Prime Minister of Haiti, says he had nothing to do with the assassination of the last president, Jovenel Moïse, in July. But his behaviour looks increasingly sketchy. This month, Mr Henry fired a prosecutor who had accused him of being complicit in the murder. Then he dismissed his justice minister. On Monday, he got rid of the council mandated to hold presidential and legislative elections. No date has been set to appoint new members. The polls, planned for November, have been indefinitely postponed. Mr Henry says he aims to hold them early next year. Haiti was already reeling. In August, more than 2,000 people died in an earthquake. Ordinary Haitians are grappling with rising poverty and paralysing gang violence. The Biden administration is deporting thousands of migrants back to Haiti, many of whom fled years ago. Last week, the world was shocked by images from Del Rio, Texas, 
which showed American border agents haranguing Haitian migrants. But that was just one of the many scandals Haitians face today. Big Fish, Small Pond The Quest for Nuclear-Powered Subs Nuclear submarines provide a military capability so potent that America has never shared the requisite technology with any ally other than Britain. That is, until a fortnight ago, when the two countries signed a deal with Australia to help them build their own. Now others want to indulge their envy. On Sunday, two out of the four candidates vying to lead Japan's ruling party endorsed developing nuclear-powered subs. But the country closest to honing its own technology is Brazil, which began research in the 1970s. Progress has been slow. Last year marked the construction of a prototype reactor. Brazilian officials say the program is necessary to defend the country's 8,000 kilometer long coastline, known as the quote, Blue Amazon, and its economic riches. But nuclear technology is overkill for protecting fish, guarding oil rigs, and scaring away the occasional off-course Argentine warship. Phantoms and the Opera The Met Reopens The Metropolitan Opera in New York welcomed audiences to its main stage this week for the first time since March 2020. But the opening of the 2021-2022 season was significant in another way too. Fire Shut Up In My Bones, the inaugural show, is the first opera by an African-American composer to be performed at the institution in its 138-year history. The libretto was adapted by Cassie Lemons, a filmmaker, from a memoir of the same name by Charles Blow, a journalist. Published in 2014 to great acclaim, the book describes Mr. Blow's upbringing in Louisiana, his experience of childhood sexual abuse and quest for revenge as an adult. The author said he listened to blues, folk and gospel music while writing the book, influences that Terence Blanchard, a Grammy award-winning jazz musician, combined with classical styles in his score. The Met will be hoping that this poignant blend of history and modernity will draw back opera fans after such a long hiatus. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Miguel de Cervantes, who was born on this day in 1547. Fair and softly goes far. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.